Hello, everyone, and welcome to the program. Before we get started, I just wanted to wish President Donald Trump and his wife Melania well. As you may have already heard by now, the President of the United States, as well as his wife, have been both diagnosed positive with coronavirus, and it is a concerning thing for sure. He is currently at Walter Reed Hospital just as a measure of caution to make sure and just in case something goes wrong, he is there right where they need him. So I just wanted to wish him and his wife well, and I know it's a troubling time, and I know that people want to be nasty to people that they don't favor politically, but this should be definitely a time that we come together and wish our leaders well. We certainly don't want anything ill to happen to the president and his wife. So once again, wishing them well, and now to the podcast. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to it. This is Wired In. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Blake Johnson, alongside my co-host, Spencer Cole. Spencer, how are you doing today? Hey, hello. I'm doing all right. How's, uh, how's your day been going so far? Day's been going pretty good, you know, moving along quite nicely throughout the week. And we, uh, where I work, we just recently got through uh, quarantine because there's been a oh, number of... Times. Oh yeah, I love those quarantines. <laughs> that's that's the highlight of my life. But yeah, yep. there there've been a number of of you know just medical concerns related to COVID pop up, and the the county thought it'd be best to quarantine people until we got through the rest of it. And I think we will. We're we're already heading in the right direction. But you know, I've just been kind of hanging out, working from home, and that kind of thing. So moving along well and enjoying it. How about you? Sounds like you've just been put through absolute torture. So oh, I tell you what, it's 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 been a grind to get through each each shift. I can <laughs> so, imagine. Yeah. Well, how you been? Uh, not too bad. I uh, I had the day off, so you know I just got to sleep in. You know, I just kind of lay about. You know, as you do. So, but uh, so basically, what you're saying is we both have had a really really tough day past few days. One hundred percent. I I can't name any other human being on this planet that had to work harder today than us right i mean if only people knew our plight in life i think (laughs) they'd have more sympathy (laughs) so anyway we we really do appreciate you guys joining in as always we've been slowly but surely growing the the platform and we you know if you like to listen to us on google play spotify Things like that. You know, we can pretty much find us wherever you find your podcast. We are slowly adding more and more platforms. So you will have even more options to choose from. But uh, be sure to listen to us on just about anywhere you can find podcasts. But, you know, the, the thing I've been thinking of, Spencer, heading into today's show is, you know, it's, it's kind of hard trying to think of what has happened recently that we could talk about. There really hasn't been a whole lot of big news. So. I'm hoping you came prepared with material because I really don't know what possibly (laughs) we could talk about today. I've got a couple of things, um, you know, uh, mainly like mainly with uh, concerning with basically the whole allegation of well, it's not really an allegation, but basically the whole uh, basically huge story about uh, 
see Project Red, you know, basically putting all their employees under, you know, crunch, you know, under mandatory crunch when they had, you know, essentially previously, I think like earlier last year, they had said that, um, that essentially they weren't going to put any of their employees under mandatory, mandatory crunch. So, you know, that, that little tidbit. <laughs> fun times, fun times. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And there were at least one or two stories wanted to bring up later in the show, but that I thought were pretty noteworthy. I don't even know if you've heard of them yet. So we'll see what your live reaction to that will be. You may have already heard about it by now, but uh, so yeah, be sure to stay tuned for that. Everyone. We've got a great show for you today, but we really wanted to start off the podcast talking about what almost everyone has been talking about since Tuesday night. And that is the first presidential debate between president Donald Trump and former vice president, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. And oh my word, what a what what a load of greatness that was. I don't know how you felt about it, Spencer. You certainly don't like to talk about what you think about things, but I get the feeling that you have know, a right? few thoughts on how the debate went. But uh yeah, we uh, we definitely want to talk about this and try to offer you a, a bit of a different perspective from everyone else. And uh, so, yeah, Spencer, first thoughts on the debate. What did what did you think? That was spectacularly horrible. <laughs> I mean, like it was, I I had a bo- I had a bag of popcorn in my lap the entire time, and I don't. It was so. There were so many just painful moments in that debate but it, i just couldn't look away it, it was just so fascinating and i was just like sitting there and i was like man if this is how the country is going to end this is kind of how i would want it to end you know <laughs> like hell let's just throw kanye in there let's hey, just see what he go. has to say yeah <laughs> get this right it's like let's just let's just let's just let's just basically ring up a freaking you know hotline number of just like who wants to run this mother you know like but uh yeah no it was uh man there were a lot of it's so unprecedented just how vitriolic that whole debate was like i i don't think i've with maybe the exception of you know the 1980 reagan debate um i don't think i've ever seen a debate like that heated um it's just unbelievable um I suppose, uh, I suppose we should probably get into maybe like what you know what our takeaways were with you know overall like our overall takeaways. Um, basically, what I like it's weird as as much as Trump interrupted and got incredibly defensive on a lot of topics, he oddly enough had more to say policy-wise and substance-wise than Biden did. Mm-hmm. And I think if Trump had just kind of backed away, just kind of just didn't say anything, allowed Biden just to dig himself into a hole that he couldn't get, because there were moments in that debate where, you know, Biden would have, you know, un- uninterrupted moments and he wouldn't know what to do. He wouldn't, he just, he had, you know, no clue what to do with himself uh, cognitively. I think if he had just done that, but I I just, yeah, it's just, it's just really interesting to me. Yeah. 
No, I, I understand that point. And, you know, one of the, you kind of mentioned this already, one of the biggest things that turned people off for the debate was just how much everyone talked over each other. And the, for me, uh, you know, I don't really have a problem with that to an extent. You know, I, I, I kind of want that in debates. I want there to be, you know, conflict. I want there to be people challenging their opponent and, and things like that. But to me, and I kind of mentioned this in our in our conversation during the debate, uh, I'm kind of with you that if if Trump had not necessarily just not said anything but not interrupted as much, I think Joe Biden would have sunk himself more and more. And, you know, things like what he said towards the very end of the debate, he said that he, he was pressed by Trump on the Green New Deal. And he was saying, and I think this was about health care originally, and Trump was like, you know, you you support Bernie Sanders' plan. You support the Green New Deal. And, and Biden was trying to, you know, say, no, I don't, no, I don't. And Trump mm-hmm. was like, yep. so do you support the Green <laughs> New Deal? And Biden said, no, I don't support the Green New Deal. And he said that, and my first thought was, wait a minute, I'm pretty sure he does. So I did a quick Google search before a bunch, a slew of articles posted to make it hard for me to find it. And yeah. sure enough, the first thing that pops up is his website that says, something to the effect of the Green New Deal is a crucial step in the future of preserving our planet and something something to that effect. But I remember not just, him... Not just, not just a crucial step, a crucial framework. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember him speaking favorably about it during the Democrat mm. primary. So yep. that was a lie. But, you know, unfortunately, that didn't really become a story because they were talking over each other the whole time and not just the two candidates yeah. but the moderator i thought the moderator was atrociously bad and you know i wasn't you know my my thought on it is i wasn't terribly surprised that chris wallace he's a fox news host i wasn't terribly surprised that he was more antagonistic towards trump because he's he's he said things before that you know, indicated that, but I was just a little surprised yeah. by how much he would he would debate mostly Trump. He there was a couple times where he debated Biden, but mostly he debated Trump. And m- much yeah. of the time, it took him forever to ask the question because he would start off by saying something like, "You know, you have said this and you have said that," and actually, that's oh, not man, true. There were so many there were so many loaded questions that oh he yeah. Would just- it would take him like there towards Trump. Yeah. It would take him like five minutes to get to the actual question, and it was it was about 10, 15 minutes into it. I went back and watched the first half hour of it, and at one point Trump was like, "Well, I guess I'm debating you now, which is fine, but here's where we are." <laughs> it, that's that's really where it was because I, I just I, I I really as far as Trump goes, you know, people are saying that that Trump was a bully, Trump was this, Trump was that, you know, really. When, when you compare it to the way Trump performed in the 2016 Republican primary debates with the other Republican candidates, and when you when you go back to the debates between him and Hillary, I really actually didn't think Trump was all that bad. I actually thought he had improved some, as far as you know, he wasn't name calling near as much. The the only really time that he insulted Biden was, you know, around the middle of the debate, or maybe that wasn't the middle of the debate, but when he said that Biden wasn't that smart. Um, 
but which is kind of true. <laughs> I mean, it, it is. It is, especially when he brought up the the fact that Biden lied about where he went to to college, and so there was that. But as far as as far as my overall thoughts of it, I really don't think it's going to matter that much as far as affecting the election there there was a cbs oh yeah absolutely not there was a, there was a cbs yeah. reaction poll if you will right after the debate and there was hardly any swing for either candidate i mean people yeah. were pretty much where they already were so i and also you have to take into account too this was a pretty as compared to the first debate between trump and and hillary this was not a much watched debate because there was like yeah. 80, 84 million or something like that for the first debate between Trump and Hillary, and there was around fifty or so for this one, and probably much yeah. lower by the time you got to about an hour in, just because people couldn't take it anymore. I almost couldn't make yeah. it through the whole debate, but yeah, I, I don't think it's going to matter a whole lot. But yeah, I, I agree with you, Spencer. I, I do think that Trump did a better job with talking more about policy and that's that's pretty much when he would interrupt biden was when he was you know challenging him on his record and and saying and defending himself because biden would say you know you're a racist you're a clown you're this and that you know but he he still did a better job with sticking to his record compared to biden who said and I even missed the first time he said um, for the president to shut up. First of all, I've never heard anyone say that in a debate, so that was kind of a first. Yeah. Um, but he said it a couple different times, saying that Trump needed to shut up and called him a racist. Well, they and a muted clown his mic. And... They muted his mic at least like a couple of times during yeah. the debate. Yeah. And so... I just I was freaking out. I was like, they just literally muted the president's mic. Mm-hmm. I I could not believe it i was like i don't think that was the moderator because he said that he said he didn't have that and he actually is he said that he he was opposed to moderators having that ability to do that yeah so it maybe it was someone in the control room i'm guessing that did that but it was more than likely some executive or you know whoever um yeah so what did you what 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 turned you off about the debate was it the interruptions? Was it just the moderator? I mean, was it was it something else that I hadn't mentioned yet? What 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 about it was like? Oh my gosh, I don't like this. Well, so it's kind of a multifaceted thing. I mean, there's just, it's not just like one specific thing that you can really, you know, specifically point to. Um, I would say, I think one of the main issues was just. Well, obviously, I think, again, the, the debate was just very egocentrically driven. It was just like, oh, look at how great, you know, I have my, look at how great my administration has been performing. You know, look how horrible Biden, you know, has done over his, you know, political career. And it's like, it's, it, it wasn't about like, there just really wasn't anything brought up specifically about like how we're going to economically recover from covid it was just like oh again it was just all you know you know egocentrically driven um to a degree i mean granted trump did speak more about policy per se 
um, on COVID than really Biden did. All Biden really did during his whole COVID segment was just, you know, kind of flip-flop from going back and forth from saying, oh, Trump is the reason for why the economy has failed. And it's like, oh, but I'm also going to keep the country shut down. <laughs> it's yeah. like, how do you expect there to be any, you know, economic recovery when you're wanting to keep the country shut down? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that was that was the main thing for me as far as his, you know, Joe Biden kept saying that Trump had no plan, and I, d I do agree that that Trump should have he should have done a little bit better job of articulating it. But uh, you know, I do I do like that he said that we want to keep we we want to get the country back open. We want people to be able to go back to work, that kind of thing. And Joe Biden wants to shut everything down again, and which you know it's it's true. Obviously, we just talked about that, and you know, I, I, I also, I can kind of throw this one in there when you're talking about COVID. I, I thought it was kind of funny how they tried to act like Trump didn't take masks seriously, and then he, oh yeah, and then he took a mask out of his jacket pocket. So no, I got one right here. I wear it whenever I think I need to, you know. Um, and and I did, I did like that he brought up how. Uh, you know, Biden tried to act like Trump was ignoring the experts and Trump was like, yeah, Trump even, was one of the first people to ban travel from China and Italy. I mean, well, and, and that, everyone, everyone in the media lambasted him, called him a xenophobe, called him a racist, this, that. I mean, Nancy Pelosi was basically doing her whole, you know, grandstanding about, oh, come on down to Chinatown. Exactly. You know, yep, we're yep. the, you know, we're the virtuous party, all this bullshit. And then the moment, you know, COVID actually starts, you know, hitting the U.S., they're like, oh, well, uh, Trump should have locked down sooner. He should have done this and that and this. It's like, well, what is it with you? What is the like, what is the standard? Because, like, now you're claiming that, like, we shouldn't even ever lift out of lockdown to begin with. But you're also still blaming Trump for why the economy is bad as it is. It's like, what, what, what is your standard? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he even brought up Fauci and was saying that Trump didn't want to listen to Fauci, and Trump responded yeah. by saying, "You you do realize that Fauci has flip flopped on masks as well? Because originally yeah. he he was saying that masks masks aren't needed, and now he's saying they are needed, and it, which I thought was a pretty good comeback because you're seeing a, a lot of the the big experts that people like to refer to. The Surgeon General did the same thing." You know, Fauci and Burks did the same thing and, you know, chalk it up to, well, we just didn't know enough about it back then or whatever. I question that personally, but still the fact remains that they did, they did flip flop on the issue. So to say that, that Trump doesn't care at all about what the experts say, I think is kind of silly because he, he has yeah. plenty of them around him. So I, you know. I it, it, I would make the case that he listens too much to some of the experts as far yeah. as uh, trying to make policy based on what a a medical person thinks but that's you know again that's that's my opinion but um yeah and 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 the other thing too is like Biden keeps you know insinuating that he you know I would know how to do the job you know I I would I'm I'm capable of you know doing what's you know what needs to be done it's like okay then Re reveal your plan about, mm -hmm. you know, like if, if you really know what you're talking about and you really think that you're more capable of saving lives, you know, why don't you reveal your freaking, you know, y your whole plan 
you know, to, you know, lessen the COVID situation. And it's like, oh, well, it's so convenient that you're not going to reveal that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And uh, if you genuinely think that it's going to save more lives. He did that repeatedly. And it frustrated me, too, when it came to health care. Biden was saying, you know, Trump has no plan for lowering the cost of health care. And he has no plan. He has no plan. But he never gave his plan. All he said was, we're going to make Obamacare, we're going to keep Obamacare, we're just going to make it better. Well, that doesn't really give me, first of all, doesn't really give me any any confidence in your abilities, but it also doesn't really give me an idea yeah. still of of what specifically do you want to do. You know, well, and to, and to Trump's credit, he got rid of the individual mandate that was tied in with uh, yeah. um, Obamacare, which was like, uh, objectively speaking, the worst part of Obamacare. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so yeah, I it's just now it's it's just ridiculous. Now I will say there were some very crucial moments that I think Trump really slipped on. Yeah. Um uh, the whole you know playing into the whole denouncing, you know, white supremacy thing and like basically not he should what he should have done. What he should have done is just say, "Yes, I denounce white supremacy." However, it's clear based on the evidence that it's just you know it's it's predominantly coming from all these you know BLM groups, and so there has to be accountability on the left for everything that has transpired from the past few months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I agree with you. I think he could have done better on that one, which I'm kind of surprised that he didn't because it just just like almost a week ago he i believe it was at a rally or it was either a rally or an executive order that he put out designating antifa and the kkk as domestic terrorist groups and the he and he has denounced it repeatedly but i don't know why he wasn't better prepared to do it then he kind of like you said stumbled around and he did say sure i denounce it but Obviously, it wasn't good enough for for them, and you know, I just I didn't like the question anyway. I thought it was a yeah, dumb I question. Thought, I thought it was loaded too. Yeah. But even still, it, it could have been handled better. Obviously, Biden didn't want to talk about Antifa and BLMs as an organization. Their statements on white people and destroying the nuclear family and and things like that. Which again, Trump should have brought that up, but he didn't. Um, so, yeah, I, again, I'm surprised he didn't do a better job with that, but that's what, to me, it, to me, the question came off as a question for Twitter. It was a Twitter moment. He wanted to get, whether it was Chris Wallace or somebody wanted to get a viral moment to, you know, nail Trump on something like that. Just to basically and, generate drama. Yeah. Yeah. And who knows how many people even really know whether or not he's actually done it before, but there's been some pushback online from different websites and oh that just reminded me so one of my favorite moments of this debate i don't know if you saw it spencer but remember the remember the part where trump was talking about the economy and how it there was a boom economic boom when he took office up until the covid shutdown and they're already starting to come back and biden biden came back with there was no, there was no boom, and the, the boom that that really started came from my, from Obama's administration. The last, whatever it was, a year or so of his term, 
the the economy really started to roar back and i guess after the debate the new york times did a fact check on that and said and said biden's claim that the economy boomed back during his administration is not exactly true there was a slight yeah. uptick but it was <laughs> it was it was hardly a boom and oh my word you should have seen the comments from the left on that tweet they were they were so pissed that they did that but uh i just thought that was kind of funny yeah, I mean, again, this idea that Trump inherited this, you know, great booming economy from the Obama Obama administration is just ridiculous. I mean, not only were this, you know, was the stock market trailing down, the even the uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but the GDP percentage was only slightly trailing back up, like you've said. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's just. The only reason the the only reason the economy is where it is at now is because of COVID, like because we had to. Uh, I although you know there's there's a lot of questioning as to whether or not a, a shutdown would have actually effectively prevented the number of COVID deaths that we've had. Yeah, and the unemployment rate really, you know, went down when. Trump was in office until the COVID stuff happened, and then it skyrocketed up, unfortunately. But you know, well, the- and I think I think there was also a moment where um, I think they were talking about black unemployment and just the, the overall economy in general was like trailing upwards. You know, it was, it was vastly improving, and Biden was trying to claim that like, oh, it's not true. You know, uh, black unemployment has you know risen in the you know past few years, and Chris Wallace was like, no, that is true. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's like, bro. Yeah. So, anyway, I yeah, I think I think that about sums it up as far as our our thoughts on the debate. Again, it it was hard to watch sometimes only because it, everyone was talking over each other and I think I think the polls reflected afterward that it was not very informative as far as on policy what what each person is going to do in the future. Though, I just, for me, my concern now is the moderator for the next debate is a political person for C-SPAN named Steve Scully, who has interned for Joe Biden. And he's (laughs) now going to be the moderator. Yeah, he's going to be the moderator. And uh, back in 2016, he shared an op-ed from, I don't know if it was the Washington Post or some some website that it, the title of the op-ed said no not Trump not ever and he posted a photo of him with Joe Biden saying how much he loved the guy and everything like that and I'm just thinking man already we're going into the next debate knowing that the next guy is going to have possibly even more of a bias than than Wallace, and I don't know, maybe C-SPAN will decide to replace him, you know, if they get enough heat, but I'm not counting on that, so I'm, I'm curious, because the next, usually the second debate is um, a little bit different from the first one, they usually are like seated in the middle of a, it's not really, it's not a round table, but it's like a town hall, essentially, but it, it'll probably be a little different because of the COVID situation. They might not even have anyone sitting there around them, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, I, I don't know. The, the vice presidential debate is, is Wednesday, this Wednesday. And 
That actually, I don't know. I'm I'm mildly interested, though. It's oh man, there's going to be so much butt slinging in that debate. Oh man, you already you know so? Kamala Harris is going to be pulling out that race card. Oh yeah. man, she's going to be just immediately straight out of the gate, just you know, just dropping it on the table. Yeah. Well, she did. She did that with Biden too. In one of the mm-hmm. first debates, she brought up when they were talking about busing, and she brought up her story of how she was raised and and everything like that. And so, I mean, she loves to inject that into the into the talk. I I the highly she gets that VP offer. She's like, oh, I'll just completely, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. Now all of a sudden, Joe Biden's my best friend. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, of course, Kamala. So I'm curious how Mike Pence is going to handle it. He's he's actually as as far as as far as personality goes, I like Pence a lot more just because he seems more like an adult <laughs> than than yeah. Trump. I mean, I, I've I've warmed up to Trump a lot more since I than I have four years ago. But at the same time, I don't know if if Pence is going to be actually pushing back against any of that or if he's just going to be kind of like Mitt Romney was towards the end of the debates with Obama. So we'll, we'll see. I don't think it's going to matter at all, but I am kind of interested to see how that's going to play out. But I think, I think the next presidential debate is mid October. It's like in, I don't know, two weeks or so. So uh, <laughs> I will say just as a, uh, like a, a final thing that, that from like that I'm going to add on the whole debates in general is that the, I think the main positive thing that I took away from it all is that, you know, more people have who normally never even entertain the idea of voting third party are like, hey, maybe we should vote third party this year. It's like, it's like has has more, that happened? I haven't really seen much um, as far as and maybe I just haven't talked to enough people. But I because you're voting for uh, what's her name? Is it Jorgensen? What's uh, yes, Joe Jorgensen. Jorgensen. OK, Um yeah, I, I funnily enough, um, I it, it, I have seen people who are basically basically, you know, detest having to vote for Biden switch over to Joe Jorgensen, though not as many people because Jorgensen is very, you know, obviously she I I would say she is probably the most libertarian candidate that the libertarian the libertarian the libertarian libertarian party <laughs> i can speak correctly uh, <laughs> but yeah i think say. i think she's the most libertarian candidate that they've ever actually you know um nominated essentially hmm. um I, you know I, I think you know to not get too into the nitty-gritty as far as details go i think i think there are i think the third party vote is going to get a lot more swing in this upcoming election than it's ever gotten before. Um, which I, I think is only, you know, I, I don't, I don't believe that she has a significant chance of actually, win, you know, actually winning. Um, but I think it will push the, the conversation of the third, the importance of the third party and, and multiple uh, political parties, you know, further into the conversation, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know if if I quite see it that way as far as at least at least as far as I mean, I agree with you, obviously, I, I don't think her her chance of winning is that good. But I, um, I just I don't recall because I do recall hearing a lot about third party 
voting third party last election. I mean, when I, and I, I did vote third party last election. You know, I just I've not heard her name mentioned at all outside of outside of you, unless I just haven't paid enough attention. But it, I mean, it's still going to be interesting because even though I don't think this debate that just happened is really going to move the needle much. Who knows what the next month is going to hold? I mean, it, it very well could get bad enough to where people are like, you know what? Let's <laughs> let's let's not vote for either of these two people. Let's let's go third party, or who knows? Maybe they maybe there'll be even lower voter turnout. I don't know, but I, I definitely think it's it would be a great idea for the third party to boost itself up more because I, I'm just tired of the the two-party system in general and yes i'm i'm voting for trump this time which if you knew me back in 2016 you would never believe that i would get to this (laughs) position because both you and i were about the most anti-trump people that you could find at the the campus we went to though at you know we went to a somewhat at least on paper conservative college so there you were more likely to find (laughs) You were more likely to find Trump supporters there than yeah. I don't know, like MSU or something. But you know, I I think as far as and we don't need to necessarily get into this, but yeah. you know, I I can see myself voting for Trump this time just because I think he's got a pretty good record better than I thought he would. But at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, I I don't think there's anything wrong with. I, I certainly still hold this position that there's nothing wrong with voting for whoever you want, whether it's one of the two big parties or whether it's a third party, you know, I, I think, I mean, heck, the, the Republican Party came about because it was a third party. I mean, it, it was yeah. the first third party, and I think that's a good thing. So who knows? We'll see. I, I'd be interested to see how well she does, and I definitely think it'd be a really interesting thing to see her on the debate stage with uh, Trump and Biden. Oh, that's been, man, that's been like they're, they've been hardcore pushing that into the conversation. Mm-hmm. Now, the legacy media would never do it because, you know, they've greatly profited from, you know, a, a two-party system. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's been being pushed quite heavily within the, uh, the her base quite, uh, you know, quite recently. Um, I think, you know, it's not that I'm like overall detest the idea of voting Trump this upcoming election. Cause I will admit um, he has governed a lot more conservatively than I would have ever imagined that he would. Um, however, I, I am concerned that the reason why his, why he's governed so conservatively within his first four years is only to is in as a means to solidify his base so that he can kind of pursue more of the, you know, the, the more like progressive, like, you know, the early 2000s progressive Republican, you know, uh, policies and stuff like that, like very Bush uh, administration level type mm-hmm. of policies. Um, you know, granted, I could be wrong about that uh, categorically, but I think for, you know, I think it's very much in the realm of possibility that that's the case. Um, so, I mean, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't think anything's unlikely per se i mean anything could happen and because i mean i remember you know and this plays into the fact that i i haven't agreed with everything he's done i mean one of the it was like in during the first year of his presidency when there was a i think there was a school shooting 
and there was videotape of him saying in a conference room or something that he thinks that you should take the guns away first and then do due process later. And I was like, yeah. that's not how that works. So he, I don't, I don't know. Sometimes I don't think he is a, I don't think he is a principled conservative. You know, I don't, I don't think yeah. he's studied the philosophers of, of, of any of that. I think he just does. I think he, and I, I totally agree with, because this is kind of how I thought it was going to play when he first became president that, you know, all the Democrats had to do, and, and it's the Democrats' fault that Trump has turned out the way he has as far as his record goes. All they had to do is try to make a deal with him because Trump yeah, loves exactly. to make deals. If they would have if they would have just not done the whole racist, stupid, name-calling stuff and Hitler and all that kind of nastiness, if they would have legitimately tried to work with him to get some of those big government things passed, I think he would have done it. I really do. But it's because they've been so nasty to him. There's nowhere else for him to go, and he love he loves to be liked. He really does, and his yeah, base loves him. There was him. that stint. There was that stint where he was really trying to win over the Democrats, and mm-hmm. uh, they were just like, even when he would bend over backwards for them, they still would. You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. That's that's why I say you never know what could happen. I mean, it yeah, it, it could very much happen. We'll see. So. All right, we have really, really beaten this horse as dead as we possibly can as far as the (laughs) debate goes. So let's try to move on to something a little less political. Uh, Spencer, you you had a story you wanted to bring up that that you thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, so um, I think earlier last year, um, basically the head executive or, you know, the, the main, you know, I guess manager, if you will, of uh, CD Projekt Red, who was uh, developing, you know, uh, who was developing Cyberpunk 2077. I think I have the right year on that. Correct? I could be wrong, but yeah, I think it's Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they essentially had came out earlier last year claiming that you know, oh, we wouldn't be put, you know, we won't be putting our employees under mask, uh, you know, uh, mandatory crunch. Only for them later to come out and uh, for Jason Schreier to reveal that, you know, they've essentially been for the past, I think, like two months uh, working under mandatory crunch to basically finish, like, polish up Cyberpunk 2077. And, uh, yeah, so I think realistically speaking, you know, and this is just my, you know, my outlook, my perspective on it. I just think... Realistically speaking, it's just kind of an it's just kind of inevitable. You're gonna have mass crunch like this on any type of project like this. Um, I mean, I, I can maybe think of a handful of you know triple A titles that didn't have you know mandatory crunch. Um, you know, most most of them that are being produced nowadays typically do. Um, however, I think optically it just looks really bad for you know. CD Projekt Red because, you know, they came out and made this huge press statement, you know, about how they wouldn't be enforcing this on their employees and, you know, only for it. It's just, you know, it's like the prime example of negative PR. Now, I wouldn't say it's as horrendous as, you know, the whole PR situation surrounding The Last of Us 2, 
But, I mean, you kind of have to be careful with these things because it very much can devolve into situations like the whole, uh, you know, The Last of Us 2 nightmare. Um, so, yeah, and hmm. it's interesting. It's interesting, too, because, um, you know, a lot of people have speculated, you know, early on in the reports that basically, or, or basically, or, you know, early on whenever this, latest drop from Jason Schreier released, you know, that he was very, like, you know, he was, you know, there was kind of like an agenda, you know, he was, you know, financially driven maybe to some extent to, you know, create this uh, somewhat of a hit piece, if you will, on CD Projekt Red. Uh, I don't think it's quite as nefarious or, um, you know, malicious, but I, I, I do think there might be some you know, bias, if you will, maybe towards um, CD Projekt Red, because again, he was very much, um, you know, whenever The Last of Us 2 was released, he was, you know, heavily defending and, uh, you know, promoting The Last of Us 2, and, uh, you know, despite the, the huge negative controversies surrounding that game, and so I'm sure that with a game like Cyberpunk and, you know, and and a studio with such a, you know, a strong track record uh, like CD Projekt Red has, I'm sure, you know, he's itching to, you know, find the faults in the crack, you know, like, you just finding, you know, the weak link, you know, in, in that chain. Uh, so, yeah. So you, th you think they're essentially trying to learn from their mistake and make sure that they don't put out another crap project like last of us too <laughs> I, I mean yeah i think i mean i don't think cyberpunk is gonna you know turn out to be the the, the disaster like the last of us 2 was but i think i think again because you can tell with a lot of these like game journalists uh with jason schreier not so much but typically uh there's uh, within the game journalist community there is a lot of animosity towards companies like CD Projekt Red and, uh, you know, uh, and companies like them because they just, they have such a strong track record of, you know, treating their employees really well and creating, you know, phenomenal games like The Witcher 3, like The Witcher series. And um, so there's, I, there is kind of this, I don't want to say like this underground movement because that sounds too, you know, conspiratorial, but um, there is definitely like, as there is this drive within the, you know, the game journalist community to kind of bring them down to a degree. Mm -hmm. And I, I just really don't think it's going to happen because again, they are kind of the industry leaders when it comes to, you know, actually taking the time to develop the game, and and even I think the uh, the head of CD Projekt Red came uh, made a statement after uh, Jason Schreier released his you know his article on Twitter, uh, basically claiming that you know addressing the fact that you know they really didn't want to put their employees under a mandatory crunch, but you know it was kind of you know you know they've they've talked with everybody you know who is developing the game and 
basically, you know, made it clear that, you know, this wasn't going to be a long-term uh, situation and that I think they would get some, like, a, a certain percentage of the uh, company earnings along with, you know, uh, you know their their pay from working overtime on the game as well. So, you know, that's, you know, a huge plus for them. I, th- I think that's a, a, a you know... A, a great way to kind of, you know, dig yourself out of this, uh, you know, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say grave, but uh, I guess more or less just a hole that they, you know, temporarily found themselves in. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because uh, I've been seeing the the hype come out for the Cyberpunk game. So hopefully, hopefully it's good. I, have they made a Cyberpunk game before? I've not played if if they have, I haven't played it. But I mean, I I'm aware of, you know, the Witcher games and and things <laughs> like that. So then, and I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong. CD Projekt Red, they didn't make, they didn't actually make The Last of Us Two, did they? Or was that someone? No, else? no, no, no. That was uh, that was Naughty Dog. But I, uh, uh, okay. the reason I brought up The Last of Us Two was because Dr- Jason Schreier, um, you know, I had, I had made reference about The Last of Us Two, and Jason Schreier just so happens to be one of the people, you know, yeah. majorly defending that game. Hmm. But no, um, um, uh, yeah, no. So, so with Cyberpunk, it's the first game. I, I'm sure they will definitely be making. You know, if if this game sells as well as it does, I'm sure they'll definitely be making sequels to Cyberpunk. But nice. yeah, um, it's 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 definitely like the first in the uh, in the series, quote unquote, if you will. Okay. Well, cool. Yeah, I I'm looking forward to that because I've seen. I don't know. I've seen a little bit, not not much, but I've seen a little bit about the game, and it does look like it would be pretty fun. So hopefully, you know, hopefully when they get the finished project out, it's actually something solid, and it it's doesn't feel rushed like some of these some of these games turned out to be. Yeah, especially with um, I think there was uh the the latest Avengers game that came out. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> There I'm was, uh, not interested they, in that game at all. <laughs> well, um, a, a lot of reviews have basically claimed that, you know, uh, well, and there were, you know, and, even, and there was even promotional material claiming that, you know, oh, we're going to be making improvements to the game, you know, for you know years to come, you know. So, it, it, and just, I, I mean, I haven't played it, but just, you know, looking at the, you know, the the framework for how, you know, the the cosmetic you know, microtransactions are set up. It's just, it is just, you know, corporatism to a T. I mean, it is just a money-making, you know, scheme. So yeah. it, it it does not surprise me at all that they are trying to milk this out as much as they possibly can. Well, much like the Star Wars Battlefront 2, the, the newest mm-hmm. one did, you know, because originally when that game came out, it was just filled with microtransactions and it was a big controversy. And I believe we may have even talked about this when it was either when it was coming out. I can't remember what year it came out, but we were talking about whether or not. Yeah, I, I oh, thought no. we had talked about the legality of these microtransaction things and games and should that be a thing so you know it's it's frustrating i know as uh, it seems like ea has learned their lesson as far as that goes because the new squadrons game is is out and there's like no microtransactions whatsoever in it but 
I don't know. It, it's it's frustrating you bringing up the Avengers. It's it's because fr- I've seen reviews on that and it does not look fun at all. I mean, it it looks like it would be something you'd play for about an hour and then you'd be pretty much done. So yeah, <laughs> I don't I don't. Obviously, I know why they do it, but it's just so frustrating that some of these companies think that it's a good idea to put microtransactions in and that's going to, you know, make them make them well liked by the people they're sending the games to the people that are buying their games. But yeah, yeah. It, that's, well, it's like the whole it's like the whole Madden controversy. It was oh, yeah. Like, you know, uh, <laughs> they just released, I think, Madden 21 or uh, yeah, I think it's Madden 21. And uh, it like you can see assets in the game where they just they copied you know assets from previous Madden titles and have just put them in Madden Twenty One, and you're sitting there going like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, no the uh, the release date for Battlefront Two was uh, 2017. Granted, oh, okay, we'll, well past that, but <laughs> okay, yeah. But, yeah. but you know they they actually improved it. A, a pretty decent oh, amount mm-hmm. and and the game if you play it now i mean it's great you know and the only problem now is is there's not quite as many people playing as as there used to be but there's still i mean you could still play with a good group of people and have a lot of fun with it so the, they have improved it a lot but well and the problem the reason why there's not as many people playing it now is because ea has came out like literally right after that they've basically fixed all the major issues with the game they're like oh yeah there's not gonna be any more support for the game now mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like you just turned this game into an actual playable state now and you're going to draw and i think they had a huge increase in uh you know in player count mm-hmm. and they're just like oh yeah no we're gonna drop support for the game and it's like <laughs> like what like, <laughs> yeah yeah See, yeah, that that's I don't understand why why companies do that. I mean, why not if why not make updates to a game that people are starting to like now instead of yeah. just, you know, saying, "Okay, we're done." It's it's ridiculous, but this this story I wanted to get into I don't know if you've heard about this yet. So, the Amazing Spider-Man 2, which came out I think in 2016, or maybe it was earlier than that. It may have been. It may have been I earlier. I think it was like 2014. That. I think. Oh yeah, 2014. That's right. So Amazing Spider-Man 2, featuring Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker. The main villain in that film was Electro, played by actor Jamie Fox, and just saw this update from Hollywood Reporter that. Jamie Foxx is returning to play Electro in the Spider-Man 3 with Tom Holland. Huh. So that's uh, that's going to be interesting. And it was kind of a shock, I thought, because they, <laughs> first of all, they, they oh, I just realized what I just said. <laughs> uh, hey-oh, hey-oh, kind of a shocker. So it, it, was, it was a surprise to me because, first of all, he was a recent villain in the Spider-Man film, from just a few years ago, so mm. it's kind of kind of strange that they would bring him back so soon, but also strange that they're bringing the same actor to play it again. And it's it's increased speculation that the new Spider-Man is going to start delving into the multiverse because you they brought back 
um, J.K. Simmons, who played J. Jonah Jameson in the Tobey Maguire trilogy, he made a, an appearance at the very end of Far From Home. And I heard that, who is it? The, the guy who played the Vulture, the famous actor, Michael Keaton. Oh, Michael Keaton? He, mm-hmm. he made an appearance in Morbius, or is making an appearance in Morbius. Oh, interesting. Okay. So there, there's speculation that, and because of this huge success of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse from a year or two ago, and how well that film did, that they may try to do some sort of a live-action version of that. Maybe not an exact version, but exploring different aspects of of that. I, I don't know. Maybe they could just be as simple as, you know, they. They just want to bring some things back that they thought fans liked and there was no real plan to do anything that extensive. But it wouldn't surprise me, though, because, you know, I highly doubt that Marvel and Sony are going to do yet another origin story for Electro. I just I don't see why that would make any sense, because they already did that just a couple of years ago. So. It it just well, makes me wonder. Too, I would think too. There would like I'm kind of surprised that they are bringing him back solely because of the whole, you know, like I mean, Sony and Marvel have been battling out as far as like copyright goes, as far as the rights to use these mm-hmm. characters in their films in the MCU films. It's like they've been battling this out for freaking ages, man. Mm-hmm. So I'm just kind of surprised that 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 this is actually going to be a legitimate thing. Well, yeah, and given, too, that Amazing Spider-Man 2 received mixed reviews. I mean, it did okay in theaters, but if you uh, if you look at the ever-so-credible Rotten Tomatoes score, I, I believe the audience score yeah. for that film isn't, isn't too great. But not just on Rotten Tomatoes. But mm. I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of curious, and, and maybe just be because... I don't. Well, I don't think that would be true that they're running out of villains for Spider-Man because Spider-Man has some of the most iconic villains. Yeah, in Spider-Man the, has in the Marvel some of the more... universe. Sorry. Oh no, you're fine. I I just I don't know. It's curious that they would go this route as opposed to like bringing I don't know Venom or Carnage because you know there there's been pretty much reports that Tom Holland is going to appear in the next Venom film. So maybe I mean maybe that's why they're not bringing Venom into the actual MCU yet, but you know I, I'm just curious as to what their plan is for this, and it would be nice. One of the things, even though I wasn't the biggest fan of Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, he did okay, but I just I'm a I'm a Tobey Maguire guy. I liked his movies. Um, Andrew Garfield's was okay. But one thing I was excited about was the end of the second film when they were going to do the Sinister Six. I was so excited oh, yeah. that they were going to finally do that because that was that was a well-received comic in the in the comic book verse and they never did it. So, who knows, maybe they're building up to something like that. I don't know, but it, it'll be interesting to see. I think they're probably gonna do that in the uh, the you know the the Venom verse you know the um, and I think the reason why you know granted if it's true that Tom Holland is gonna be in the next Venom film um, I mean realistically speaking it would it would have to be it would have to be because he and 
Eddie are going to team up to fight Carnage. I mean, right? Like realistically speaking, that would be one of the only one of the I think main reasons why the two would ever you know ever it like actually um, you know be prominently featured in the same film together. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, because. Obviously, Venom hates Spider-Man, but at the same time, I do remember from the animated series, there was there was a series basically where Spider-Man helped Venom take down Carnage, and because Carnage has no allegiance to anyone, he's I mean that's why he's called Carnage. He doesn't care, and so yeah. Venom basically was like, "There's nobody else that can help me. I might as well, you know." get Spider-Man to help me. So who knows? Maybe maybe they'll do it that way. That'd be kind of cool. But uh yeah. We'll we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, I'm definitely curious about it. Yeah, yeah, I am too. Another thing that kind of happened and I I actually forgotten about this from earlier this year. I don't know how familiar you are with the updates to Indiana Jones 5. But earlier I'm this not. Earlier this year, so Steven Spielberg, he's directed all of them, all four of them up to this mm-hmm, point. Yeah. And he was initially going to direct the fifth one. And earlier in February, it was announced that he would not be doing it because he wanted to, quote, pass, it, pass on the character's legacy to a new generation. And so they decided to hire uh, James Mangold to direct it the director of Logan and walk the line and okay. And so that, that was that at the time. Well, the story just came out earlier today or yesterday this week that the original screenwriter, David Kep, he also stepped down and it was revealed that really the, the main reason why Steven Spielberg um, quit is over creative differences and they they just couldn't agree on where to take the next film where to take indiana and and what the story should be about so he just basically threw up his hands and said okay well i'm just gonna i'm gonna let this guy take care of it and i'm out so it it doesn't sound like there's any real hard feelings or anything but yeah it it does concern me because i think i think steven spielberg really he, he doesn't have a flawless record but he has a very good record and especially when it comes to indiana jones though some would would argue the fourth one is a definite exception to that i kind of like the fourth <laughs> one but yeah. it's it's my least favorite of of the ones that have been made that being said though i'm kind of nervous that that spielberg looked at it at the script and the direction of the film and was not happy about it and decided to leave. And so we'll see how that plays out. And especially with Kathleen Kennedy still being president of Lucasfilm. I mean, I'm sure I I would imagine Ah, that he would not be. (laughs) What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) I know. Right. But uh, yeah, my only worry is like James Mangold is like, you know, he's made some really phenomenal films and I'm just worried that he's, you know, going to have to have his name, attached to to you know the next dumpster fire hollywood movie that you know uh you know that basically you know is pushing all this sjw garbage you know yeah are they gonna 
they're gonna make Indy give up his his role to a female or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, it's some kind of uh, social I'm justice you message. What's gonna happen? I'm telling you, what's gonna happen is like at the at uh, either at the midpoint or at the end of the film, Indian basically Harrison Ford is gonna pass down the torch to some random freaking chick, and it's gonna be you know <laughs> you know you know. You know, India Jones or something, you know? Like. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know that Shia LaBeouf isn't going to be in it. He played Indy's son, uh, Mutt Williams, in the fourth one. And because of his not-so-great record with jail time, they decided not to bring him back for the fifth one. So originally I thought they were going to hand it off to him and possibly the fifth one. Thank God they're not. Well, I but, think there was rumor of Chris Pratt. Uh, yeah, because they they were initially tossing around the idea of rebooting it and making Chris Pratt Indiana Jones, which that could work. I don't know. I could I could see them pulling that off, but at the same time, I don't know if they should make the Indiana Jones franchise the James Bond franchise, where just every few years they or like every you know fifteen years or something they just change the actor and and keep it going but who knows they they may very well do it after this one i don't see how harrison ford can last another uh, indy six i don't i don't see how he can do that but (laughs) who knows i think harrison i think harrison ford is getting up into his 80s i think yeah he's 78 years old so Mm -hmm. yeah so (laughs) like yeah which at the time people were kind of surprised that he was able to do the fourth one back in 2008 because of all yeah. the stunts and stuff that you would see Indy do. And he was actually able to do most of them. So I'm really surprised that he was able to come back and do a fifth one. And they've kept delaying it over and over again. But it's it's again, supposed I to think, come out in the next couple of years. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I think it's just going to be, you know, they're just going to basically have... I think they're just basically going to have Indy be this, you know, you know, token character that passes down the, uh, you know, well, I guess he wouldn't be the token character, but essentially he would be the one to pass down the torch to some, you know, token, you know, you know, minority hire. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's just like, uh, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I hope that's not the case, but I, man, I don't know. I, yeah, who knows? I wouldn't put it past them, but Anyway, I think that's going to do it for our show today. I want to thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you, Spencer, for joining me on this crazy ride for today. Oh, for sure, man. Now, we will catch you all back here next week. Again, be sure to listen to us on Spotify, Google Podcast, Pocket Cast, wherever else you find them. We'll be adding more platforms here in the near future. And wherever you listen to the podcast, please give us a follow and If you would, give us a five-star review, and that will help us get noticed more in the podcasting community and grow our numbers and grow the show. And, yeah, it'll it'll be great for everyone. So we will see you back here next time, everyone. Take care and have a good one. See you guys.